Hello, and welcome to another episode of Absolutely Not. I am your host, Katrina Stroll. I'm a certified career coach and an HR consultant. I created this space because I had, yes, this had difficulty setting boundaries. And now I just bring or- re- organizations and resources on so that people listening and viewing can have a better understanding of setting personal boundaries at work. Before we get started, I just want to define some words that we use frequently on the show. The first word being boundary, something that indicates or fixes a limit. So if for some reason you tell your manager, for some reason, for a specific reason you tell your manager, hey, I don't want to be texted on my personal phone, please use my work phone, that's setting a boundary. Gaslighting, to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. An example of gaslighting would be if you work in an all white space and you go to your leadership and say, hey, I feel like I'm being pinpointed out. I feel like I'm being discriminated against. And they say, oh, that's not a problem here. We know that's not a problem here. That's gaslighting. They're not, taking in your concerns and they're not seeing you as a value to the organization. Dismissive, an example of dismissive would be if you ask someone to use your chosen name and they are dismissive of that and continue to be dismissive and use names that you no longer use. Today's episode, we're gonna be talking about setting boundaries with a mental health condition. My special guest today is Kat McIntosh. Kat's lived experience of bipolar disorder and early trauma has shaped her approach in advocating for inclusive, intersectional, and multidisciplinary approaches when developing policies and systems within service-centered institutions. As the manager of peer advocacy and support services at Mental Health America, she helps in updating the Center for Peer Support site with new research, resources, and content as well as assist in creating and launching the online platform for peer partners. Kat also advocates for persons living with mental health conditions locally and internationally in her position as Deputy Representative for the Americas, Executive Committee Member for Trinidad and Tobago with Global Mental Health Peer Network. She has also served in various capacities in several government and civic societies working on various human rights issues. She is passionate about encouraging society to see individuals through a trauma lens, particularly in the, as it pertains to the LGBTQIA community and persons of African descent. She's also committed to understanding how digital development can enrich the lives of those with mental health conditions. Kat holds a bachelor's of arts degree from Caribbean Caribbean Nazarene College with concentrations in psychology and counseling and early childhood education. Please help me in welcoming Kat McIntosh. Kat, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm so excited to have you as a guest. If you could please share with the audience why you're excited to be on today. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me. you know, I, I find this topic particularly interesting because um, we don't talk a lot about how persons of mental health conditions need boundaries in the workspace, right? Um, we live in an able-bodied society and we 
live in system that really cater to able-bodied experiences and oftentimes neglect the idea that we have so many persons in our workforce who have mental health conditions, who have invisible disabilities, who are neurodivergent and need specific boundaries when it comes to their work. Um, and I think it's important to have that conversation and to help um, help just people as on a people on a whole to understand why that is important and how to even go about doing that. Oh, I love that. I love it. And I love that you said invisible disabilities, because a lot of times these mental health conditions can't be seen from the outside. Even our symptoms cannot be seen from the outside. Um, and we live this every single day. So thank you so much for describing that perfectly. Um, first off, what does a boundary mean to you? Um, so, you know, I heard in this training once that um, boundaries are the distance between me loving you and loving me simultaneously. And I think that's a perfect definition for a boundary because um, especially when it comes to boundaries within the workplace, you can love your job, you can love what you do, but loving what you do should not come as a cause of being um, disrespectful to yourself and to your experience. And um, I, I, I think that's really important um, when we talk about boundaries and understanding that um, I, I want to love what I do and I want to love what I do well, but I also want to love me in the process of it all. And you don't have to give and take um, to get that experience. Right, right. And as we know, with mental health conditions, we need a lot more loving. We need all the loving on the planet. Um, these are not things that we can just leave on the shelf. These are not things that I can take Advil for real quick and then be good to go to go to this meeting. No, this is something that I constantly have to give lovings to. Um, so I love yeah. that it's, it's ongoing. It's forever. Right? Oh man. And so setting boundaries is difficult to begin with. Why with a mental health condition, would it be even more so? Oh gosh. Um, you know, we talked about it um, just earlier, like because with a mental health condition, the experience is invisible. Um, I have often found in my own life experience the, the pitch to, to get people to understand takes a lot more sometimes um, because I can't explain to people um, when I'm having a, a really depressed day and I can't show up as my full self, you know? Um, and I... Um, but, but that's the reality places with mental health conditions experience that um, they may experience things like fibromyalgia or chronic pain or um, their low fatigue and they, you know, their body feels just absolutely run down or they're in mania or they're experiencing psychosis and none of these experiences I can um, showcase to someone so now I have to get an able-bodied person who's never had this experience, doesn't even know what this can feel like or the extent um, you know, of this experience. And I have to get them to understand why 
I can't do something, so why I need something, so why I need certain accommodations for my experience. So it's a harder conversation to have when you don't have that physical evidence. Um, but just because it's a harder conversation doesn't mean it's a necessary conversation to be had. Exactly. I, oh, man. And that description that you're talking about, the, the ability to describe is because most ailments or conditions out there have been advertised as such an ailment or a condition. Um, I, whenever I talk to mental health professionals, they always bring up diabetes as an, as an example. There's pamphlets on it. There's uh, commercials about it. Call me if you have diabetes. But there's none of that for mental health. Not really. So for me to go into my needs, I would have to go into the entire history of the condition because it just, it just hasn't been showcased as normal or as a condition that needs the lovings that we, that we do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I think the other part of it is that, um, so you have to have this condition, you have to have this conversation that not a lot of people around you can't easily relate to, right? Then you also have to have a conversation that, you may get some very negative comments towards or you know um you mentioned gaslighting and the definition of gaslighting but i think that persons with mental health conditions also experience a type of gaslighting as well because how many times are their experiences nullified or or considered to be you know you 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 should just it's, it's not as serious it's not all that um and you're expected to push on and you're trying to get people to understand that you can't, you know, and it's more than um, me just willing myself to get better, you know, it's a lot more work than that. Mm -hmm. And the thing about mental health conditions is there's such a stigma out there um, when you get the diagnosis, even when, but for me, when I got my diagnosis, it was freeing and fulfilling just because now I know what I need to do. Um, for a lot of people, it's concerning. It's the, um, it's kind of detrimental to their what they thought they were to begin with. But um, right. I, to all of you out there kind of dealing that with that now with a brand new uh, diagnosis, if you have it, um, think of it as freeing because now you know the next steps you need to take forward. Just like if you got diagnosed with diabetes, okay, I need to start being healthy. I need to start walking. I need to start eating healthier. Now, you know, the next steps to move forward. Um, uh, but yeah, that stigma that's out there is difficult for us to navigate. And I applaud everyone yeah. for doing so. Could you um, talk about a time that you had difficulty setting boundaries at work because of your mental health condition? Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. I think that um, I think that there's um, preconceived misconceptions about what having a mental health condition means, right? Um, so you know, it, I think when I started speaking about my experience, um, I wanted to empower myself, and that's why I started speaking about it to say, hey, like, and I I think I went through that um, emotion as well that you described, where it's like, oh wow, like. I understand what's happening to me. Like, this is not just in my head. You know, there's like some sort of um, basis towards um, what I'm experiencing. But I also had, um, unfortunately, I had a supervisor um, who basically told me that I should not try to get a manager job or 
any other like high higher um, level job because she thought that and and it's weird because I I do believe that it was well intended um, in terms of hey you have a mental health condition maybe you should like just have an assistant job so that it's not too much for you um, but I had to I had to set my boundary and I actually had to leave because if my manager can't see me beyond my mental health condition then this is a place that is going to um, cause me to be very stagnant and it's not going to cause me to grow mm-hmm. and I needed to, as much as I, I I think that she was one of the best managers that I'll that I've experienced in my career, I did leave because um, I was looked over in promote in being promoted to different positions. You know, several times it came around, and I'm like, I'm perfect for the job. I'm more qualified than the other folks that you're promoting right now. Um, but I knew it was because of my mental health condition I was being overlooked. Um, and yeah, I, I I set my boundary by just leaving and realizing that. Um, I, I had enough for this situation. Oh my gosh. And that phrase right there, I have had enough. Um, there's only so much you can do in an organization. There's no way you could have sat down with that um, manager and for hours just like, okay, this is how mental health conditions work. And just so you know, I would still be a capable leader. And this is how, that would be so much emotional labor on you. And just, yeah, right. <laughs> and it just, it wouldn't be, beneficial to you maybe she would have got something from it but it it would have been up to her to get past her bias in moving you forward in that position um those biases are so scary because there are so many people that are going to hear this and resonate with that story you just told every single time somebody said brings up a mental health condition immediately um people draw to okay they are crazy they're not going to be able to do this um what yeah. I want people to understand is just like any other disability, it is not impeding us from moving forward or, or climbing the ladder. Um, if someone broke their leg, you wouldn't say, wow, that is awful. You will probably not be able to be the best manager here at our organization. Mm-hmm. No, um, you would encourage right. that person like, hey, take the rest you need. Um, if you need days off, go ahead, um, heal yeah. in a timely manner, and then come back, do the job, do it the best you can. Boom, boom, boom. Um, but for yeah. some reason. <laughs> yeah, I think as well, um, you know, this talks about accommodations in the workplace mm-hmm. and like why accommodations in the workplace are so important for prison mental health conditions. And, you know, my it's, it's, so, it's so interesting that that career was when I was in special education. So I had a manager who understood accommodation for persons who had physical disabilities, but couldn't understand the accommodations that was needed for persons who had mental health conditions. And that's to say where our society is at, right? That, that we can't understand yet sometimes that, again, our system was built with the able-bodied principle, um, but even in the, um, unrolling of disability accommodations, we really haven't considered prisoners with mental health conditions as well. We have still been left out of the conversation. Um, and why it's so important for us if we are reframing systems and if we are like really trying to be inclusive as we say we want to be inclusive, why we need to like um, consider 
how does accommodations look for someone with a mental health condition? Mm -hmm. How can I make sure that my workplace is truly inclusive of all abilities? Um, and what does that even begin to look like? And I don't think that we're having that conversation in the way that it should be had. Mm, and I love that earlier, you, once again, you said invisible disabilities, because um, yeah. sometimes when people say disabilities, or even when they have it in their policies, or when we think of the Civil Rights Act, or when we think of any of those policies in place, when we hear the word disability, we're not thinking of us, we're not thinking of the people with mental health conditions, but we're in that fold, yeah. we're in that recipe, we are there, Yeah. organizations need to realize that, oh my gosh, cool, but back to boundaries. I love that you were able mm -hmm. to leave that organization. Then that was a boundary you said. You said, you know what? I'm not putting any more of myself into this. I cannot convert this woman into believing I'm going to be an amazing manager. Mm -hmm. So my boundary is I'm going to leave the organization. Have you ever had to set a boundary with someone and then receive pushback from setting that boundary at work? Um, Often, no. I, I I must say, besides that experience where I like absolutely just have to leave, I I think that um, I think one of the interesting things I've found in my own like experience is that so often, um, the boundaries that I need to set with people, they themselves have never thought that I needed that boundary, um, and. I have like, I've really realized the importance about speaking up um, and advocating for myself. You know, I advocate for myself with my mental health condition. I, I, I advocate for myself with my psychiatrist or my counselor, um, but I also have to advocate for myself within my workplace. Um, and I had an HR officer, um, a really dear yeah, friend tell me, you know, people will only treat you as much as you allow them to. Um, and you have to teach people sometimes how to treat you. Um, and I found that once I have those conversations and I say, hey, these are my lives, like these are the things that I need. Um, and I explain why, especially when it comes to my mental health condition, I've, I've experienced a dialogue because again, they have an able-bodied experience, so they never even thought that this was something that you know, I could possibly want or need. Um, so yeah, I've, I've experienced some good dialogue, not to say that there probably haven't been people who have been like, mm, really? <laughs> um, <laughs> but more, more so I, I get the positive experiences, which have been good. That's awesome. And I love that you use the word dialogue because um, I recently had a conversation about, about my mental health conditions and how that dialogue goes. Um, but if that dialogue doesn't take place, if you don't initiate that advocacy for yourself, it will never occur. It just won't happen. So if your manager says, hey, um, we need you to work 12 hours today and you don't advocate for yourself and say, hey, there's no way I can. My mental health, like I need to stop working at this time because of my condition, um, then they would yeah. not know. Um, and it's yeah. really important to say because of my condition, because if you just say, yeah. I need to stop working at, I can't work 12 hours, then they won't fully grasp and understand your conditions, you as an individual and how it affects you. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah. All of what you just said, you know, um, and like, I've even started speaking up because 
my diagnosis is bipolar disorder one, right? Um, and I experience psychosis symptoms. Um, but part of my bipolar disorder one experience is that I experience a lot of insomnia. And now I'm very honest where I say, hey, um, I'm gonna be coming in at this time because my insomnia was really active last night and I cannot come at 9 a.m. I'm so sorry. Like, and, and, I, I, and I say that because at the end of the day, if I come at 9 a.m. after an insomnia episode, you're not going to help me at my best. Mm-hmm. You know, I would prefer to, to stay away, take my rest, and then if I come in at 12, you're going to get a better cut. Um, and, you know, having those dialogues, and it's, again, it's about the fact that they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know about my insomnia. They wouldn't know about the things that I'm experiencing. So it is really um, part of the part of the um, responsibility is on me to communicate those things. Mm -hmm. And when you communicate those things, you open so many doors, not only for yourself, but for the organization and for other people in the organization. Because say that manager you told like, hey, I can't come in because of this and this. Of course, they're not going to say um, to other people, hey, Kat can come in because of her bipolar disorder. But um, they will say, hey, Kat's not coming in today for personal reasons. And then maybe somebody else will be like, oh, wow, that's so awesome. I also have issues that I didn't want to be here for, but next time I'm going to say, um, I don't want to be here. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for sure, for sure. I think the more you advocate for yourself, you also empower others to advocate for themselves. Um, So yeah, I think it's a good thing to to be your own advocate. See, and those healthy boundaries that we put in place are always empowering for ourselves, but um, they're an example for other people what healthy boundaries look like. Um, Through this process of having this space, I've realized there are so many people out there that do not know what boundaries are, myself included, so I'm here with you. But um, it is amazing to see just from our cultures, our background, how we were raised, um there's very little talk around boundaries so I really appreciate you talking about that with me today Um, yeah that's no problem in this realm of growth especially with your mental health conditions what have been some of the coping mechanisms through your growth in setting boundaries oh um I think one like we said before um advocating for myself and speaking up on I think realizing that me not getting the boundaries isn't because um, the space won't give me the boundary, but it's because I've never asked for the boundary. Um, so really advocating for myself and speaking up um, and letting people know, you know, and not being ashamed of my experience uh, with a mental health condition. There are going to be people who would want to shame me. Um, but I think it's always good to flip that back on them. Like, why, why, why would you shape someone with a mental mm-hmm. condition? Like, what, what, what makes you that kind of person that will bring shame to that experience? So I love to flip that back on them. Um, but yeah, really speaking up for myself um, has been like my number one thing. Um, and I think the more that I speak up, the more that I have, the more I'm able to engage in conversations. Um, and I also do. I inform people also in like very subtle ways. Um, so for instance, like um, Global Mental Care Network, an organization that I'm a part of, they recently released, they recently released this um, wonderful script 
um, that shows how do we incorporate prisons with mental health conditions within our workplaces um, by the things that we do. So for instance, now emails, putting action required. And I love sharing these things with people like, hey, take a look at this, you know? And I think um, that helps like, subtly inform persons without be having the conversation it's like it's kind of like hey get some educational resources mm -hmm. to read um and that too has worked really well that's so awesome what that that touched me because um i have ptsd and part of that is anxiety um so emails if i see that red dot i immediately kind of ah i need to look at this right now but action required that yeah. okay who there's no action required attached i don't need to look at it right now that would be amazing that would be right fantastic but um i love that you kind of describe internal gaslighting the fear of somebody um being biased against us so we internally gaslight and say okay you don't need to share that information with that person hide yourself hide your condition hide everything don't advocate for yourself sit your ass down and be grateful you have this job that is not the case <laughs> um no, you do need no. to advocate for yourself you do need to share your mental health condition because it affects every single part of your day um I, for me it does every like i just said emails it affects that it affects my response yeah. so it's yeah and i i think as well like so one of the things that i tell people about is that um when when zoom happened and everything became online um, no one considered how this Zoom experience would affect people with sexism. Um, but we had um, meetings and, you know, entire HR departments forcing people to be on video, forcing people to like look at a screen. And for me, as someone with psychosis, that, that screen image, like if it's like one-on-one, -on -one, like now I'm good, but if it's like, a stream of folks like my psychosis that's playing um but again nobody will know unless i tell them mm -hmm. and now i have started to say hey do you mind if I, I keep my video off like i have psychosis and this thing's really bother me or today's a day where i'm kind of dissociated so i know if i put my video off gonna affect me in this way do you mind and nine times of the ten i mean i would i have never come across a person who has said uh no i need you to be unfitting like once i explain it like people are like oh yeah that's fine do you mind if i take mine off and like and we're okay and we're completely cool um but again if i didn't say anything nobody would know and i would just push through um and you mentioned a point in terms of like how we've been raised right and I think especially as Black folks, like as, as a Black Caribbean woman, I have been taught to push through. And you don't, you don't upset the, the status quo. You don't, you don't rock the boat. You just go along with it. Um, but, but that's me just being disrespectful to myself and my experience. Um, and I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I, I can't do that because you know it doesn't it doesn't bring the best out of me. You know, if I have to push through this episode, um, it doesn't bring the best out of me. I'm not producing my best break. I'm not um, being my best self. And I would think that, and that's how I kind of like to to reframe it to folks that I would think that you would want me to be my best self. Mm -hmm. And if you want me to be my best self. These are the ways that I can show up as my best self. 
Yes, cat. Ooh. and you just gave people so many nuggets and examples of what to say to that manager. Because um, as soon as you said, I've never come across somebody that said no, it gave me a, a bit of flashbacks because I've come across those managers that I know would have said no, or I have told myself mm. would have said no. Um, but right. when we advocate for ourselves, then we learn about other people. If you advocate yeah. for yourself and they say, uh, no, you need to be on camera at all times, then you then you learn, oh, wow, this is not the inclusive environment I believe y'all to be. Mm. You lied to yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's good. It's good, to, um, it's good to put it out there because now let's see what kind of response yeah. I get from you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And this journey that we're on with our mental health conditions, or even somebody who doesn't have a mental health condition, um, it is a journey of growth and learning. So we are constantly learning about other people and you advocating for yourself is a chance to grow, but is also a chance to learn about the environments you are in. Um, yeah. This position is not forever. This is, uh, but you are, you are not forever, but you are going to be with you for the rest of your life. So if anything, advocate for yourself uh, because that organization is not always going to be there. Um, but yeah, and I would, I would just add that like it, 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 it also causes and it challenges the group as well. Um, and I, that, that's another big part of these trips that you to consider that, you know, unless someone has been exposed to someone with a mental health condition, a family member, whatever, they don't know, you know, so you, you give them that opportunity to grow and see what they do with it. And if they do nothing with it. Um, then you can say, oh, this is not the space for me, um, but give them that opportunity, you know? That is so amazing. Um, you have shared a couple of go-to phrases with us. I love it. I love that you've shared so many times that you've been able to flip it with people, but what is your one number one go-to phrase on setting boundaries? Oh, <laughs> um, number one go-to phrase. I. I think my number one is communicating my needs. Um, it is hard as a Caribbean woman who's never been taught about needs to communicate it. But um, I've, I've tried my best now when I have conversations to specifically say, I need A, B, C, D, and really spell it out for them um, so that you can't say that I didn't say. Uh, and I think that by, and I think as well, it, it creates a, it creates a respect to the situation that if someone is, is, if someone is crossing my boundary, I'm not telling them that, hey, you're doing this and you're doing that or whatever. And, and people generally find those kinds of tips and come across as tough, right? Um, but when I say it as, hey, I need a, B, C, D in order to function, then it becomes about my experience. And it becomes about, if you respect me, you respect my needs. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's probably my go-to definition. Oh, I love that. Because um, in meetings, people cross boundaries without your knowing. And um, our first reaction sometimes is to be like, 
yo, hold up. Like, what was that? What the hell was that? Or to, and if to them, it will feel like an attack and for you, it'll feel like advocating, but that I need part is, um, it gives a pause to that person and you, you, so that you can spell it out in your brain before you tell them. And it gives them like, Oh, I had no idea that you needed these things. I will think about yeah. um, implementing yeah. them. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Kat, you have shared so much insight with me tonight. Um, I am now going to open the floor to any questions they may have for you. You are now in the hot seat because you know everything about boundaries. You'll be able to answer any questions that they give to you. So I will give them a couple minutes. Maybe they'll type it in the chat or you can come off mute if you'd like. Ask questions to Kat and let's get started with the rapid fire. Go ahead. I'm always awkwardly hum during this part until somebody asks a question. So let me start. While I wait for y'all to ask questions, I do have a question for you, Kat. Um, why do you stay in your field of mental health? For me, even this show is kind of triggering and even advocating on as much as I can advocate, sometimes it it becomes a lot. So I cannot imagine doing your position. <laughs> Why do you stay in that role? Uh, that that's a great question. Um, I I I do this because I've always held this view that I'm not the only one. Um, when I was sixteen and experiencing symptoms and had absolutely no one to turn to, um, I would have liked to find someone um, and had, you know, someone who say, hey, I have a lot of experience of my condition too, and you can get through this. And I think that if I had that person at that age, um, you know, some, I, I tell people, I wonder where I would have been. Not to say that I'm not happy with my life, but I just do feel like um, a lot of times faces with mental health conditions are at a disadvantage because they feel like they are alone in the situation. Um, and I do this just so that I can remind myself and remind others I'm not the only one in this and that there is there's power in community. And I really believe that. I think that if more persons um, would talk to each other about their mental health, would talk to each other about their experiences, like we can get through this together. But the problem is that oftentimes all of us are in a vacuum thinking that we're the only one experiencing it. Um, and that's not true. So I, I see to, to just, you know, be some sort of light to someone to say, hey, I have psychosis, I have experienced I'm 31 now. Um, I am, I'm not crying, but I am tearing up. <laughs> Every, everything you said is so true. Um, specifically, I am a Black female veteran who has PTSD. And on a lot of the pamphlets for PTSD, it's um, clean cut white males who they have it because of da 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 da. So the, 
the community that I was looking for just wasn't present until I started being honest about myself. Um, when you're honest about yourself, people start, oh my gosh, I can't even say this. Um, people start coming to you because they, they want to be honest with themselves too. And they were just looking for yeah. somebody to do it first. And Kat, you have, yeah. you have done that for me so that I can do that for other people. And then somebody else will hear this and they will continue to do it. So I just appreciate all the work you are doing and I cannot thank you enough for just being your true self. Yeah, I, I, I love that you talked about um, being authentic. And I think that, um, I think that when you have a mental condition, at least from my experience, too hard to be authentic because you go into so many spaces and even though people you know we, we see all these slogans that says hey reach out for help and all these things um, when you do speak about it people can box you in and people can shut you down and shut you up or try to shut you up um, but there are also all these people out there who are like oh my God, like, you get it. Like, you get, you get what I'm experiencing. You get what I'm going through. Oh my gosh, you're going to have me carry. <laughs> you know, I remember feeling a luminity caught with my breakthrough. Um, and that came, I had a mentor. I had a mentor who, she was a woman. She was the CEO of a nonprofit organization. She had bipolar disorder one, and she was the first person that told me that, hey, what we're here doing is like, you're not alone in there. And I think if we just keep doing things, then I would hope that for the young, for lack of a better word, but half the crap that I would have had to go through, you know? Exactly. Um... And for all the people that are listening to this episode, whether later or now, um, that you are going to be that person for somebody else. Kat is that person for somebody. Her mentor was that person for Kat. And th this train of being authentic just keeps going. We just have to be our full selves when we can. And I, I, I know that this shit is difficult. I know it's really hard to... Um, try to break through the stigma. Um, as soon yeah. as people hear you have a mental health condition, they immediately um, go to crazy or just like how your manager did, like, oh, maybe you should try to stay in this box then because you probably won't be able to go out of it. But I'm here yeah. to let you all know that, that that box is too small for you. That box does not contain you. And um, cat myself and everyone out, else out there um, being our authentic selves, we're here to tell you that that box is too small for you. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to live in it. Oh my gosh, Cassie, I told you, I told you, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your journey with us tonight though. Um, I cannot thank you enough for just being an amazing person and for continuing to advocate for mental health. Um, exactly Patricia and sometimes it is it can be weaponized Thank against you, so much, you 
but it's uh but authenticity and vulnerability yeah you definitely have to bring it to the forefront patricia just shared that um sometimes it can be weaponized against you your authenticity um have you ever had experience in that Kat? oh yeah um <laughs> i think that um i think i think people have a way of when you're authentic especially you're authentic, but there's no way that you can share the full story, right? So I can be authentic about my psychosis, but there's no way I can share the full story of, hey, look at all the childhood trauma that I've been through that have left, that have, you know, led me to this space. So people would say, oh, okay, you experienced psychosis, but you're dissociating. Um, is it that bad? Like, is it, is it, is it that? You know, is it that serious or, you know, and, and people would say such negative things, but it's also based on such ignorance, mm -hmm. right? Um, because had they really understood is, they would naturally mm -hmm. own. I have really chosen not to not to focus on that just because not that it's not hard not that it doesn't hurt me but there's so much more people that connect with my story than those who are against my story and i just i my focus is on those that connect with it not gonna understand um can't expect anything else from them you know but if i try to just keep that focus Okay. <laughs> I love that you said the word ignorance. Um, um, that is a word that describes most of, and like we said before, there are pamphlets for diabetes. There are pamphlets for broken leg. There are pamphlets for the common cold, but there are no pamphlets for a lot of the mental health conditions that we're bringing authentically to the workplace, or at least they don't have it on the front page. They don't have it at the receptionist desk to talk about. Um, <laughs> But we need to continue to bring it to the front page. And we're doing that by just not, I can only think of the word combating, combating that ignorance with authenticity. Um, just yeah. saying, I, I really cannot describe my full story, but this is my story. I'm sharing with you my mental health condition because it's real and it's true. Um, and these are the things I need in my life. These are my boundaries. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Patricia shared, um, dismissive and invalidation can definitely happen as well. Yes, definitely. Um, I remember at my first job outside of the military, I shared that I had PTSD and major depressive disorder. And immediately when you hear a veteran has PTSD, they, um, they think of war and they think of, and they immediately started asking me really weird questions about, have I killed someone? Um, have I, or when was the last time you were in combat? And da, 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 da. and um, a lot of that one is dismissive to the fact that I just told you I have a mental health disorder and you're dismissing the fact that I'm a person in front of you. Like, cool, that's so awesome. Let's talk about traumatic things that may or may not have caused your mental health disorder. And um, once again, it's just because those pamphlets are not out there yet. So we're kind of the only people walking around talking about it but it's important yeah. to do so. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I, I, I wanna say like, I'm, I'm so sorry that happened to you, right? Because it, it wasn't fair. I, 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 
I think about even like on social media, like, you know, we share so much on social media, even on, and going back to our workspaces, we share our workspaces, hey, we have these things. And for some reason, people feel like they have a claim to our story. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've learned to kind of gently check people um, <laughs> and just say, hey, um, I am willing to say ABC, um, but no, I will not be talking about D, E, F mm. uh, and leave it as that um, because I have a right to my story. You, you don't, you know, um, you don't get to ask me all these triggering traumatic things that I need to pour all my childhood experiences out before you. You don't get that right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I, again, I go back to the point that if you don't know, if you don't tell people how to treat you they will treat you however they want to treat you so I gently check them um and they actually <laughs> one of my one of my colleagues you know she and I joked about that I'd be like actually um I love that actually and you can follow up actually with almost anything <laughs> um and I I love that you said actually, that's going to be my no go, my new go-to now is actually, I don't want to talk about that. Or actually, I know that we talked about this boundary before. I need you to email me before you just call me on Zoom real quick. I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that, that is a, that's my new go-to actually. (laughs) Okay, so you have provided us with so much insight tonight, and I cannot thank you enough, but my questions have come to an end. Is there any last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap it up for tonight? Uh, um, I think that, um, I think that living with a mental health condition is hard, um, and living with a mental health condition in a space that doesn't understand mental conditions is even harder. Um, and one of the main things that I did for myself was building a tribe around me and having people that understood it. Um, because not everybody's gonna get it. Not everybody's gonna um, be sensitive to my mental condition. Some people might even think, hey, she's too sensitive and she wants too much and, and all these things. Um, but I found having a tribe of folks, um, so I advocate wholeheartedly for peer support, um, and peer support really is persons with lived experience of mental health conditions, providing hope to one another um, through that shared experience, um, and just having that space and those peer support spaces where I can say, these are all the things that, <laughs> that just happened, I just need a space to just spend the things. Um, has really helped me in my own recovery. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely advocate for having a tribe around you because it helps. Um, oh, okay, Kat. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate that sentiment because uh, that's something my therapist and I have actually just gone over is um, that support mm. circle you need when having a mental health condition. For someone with yeah. my mental health conditions, I am constantly hypervigilant in just any space at any time. I feel like I am unsafe. Um, so right. to have a sp- safe space to go into is really important to have. Um, 
so the, uh, a sense of community and the community that I'm building, even within this show is important to me. Um, and for anybody listening out there, please build your community, please build your safe space or whatever you need. Um, that's important to you. Oh my gosh, Kat. Um, but thank you so much for sharing that and how important it is. Peer support, man, see, and that's why you do what you do because it's so important. Oh my gosh. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I, I love being able to talk about this topic. I think it's needed. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. And um, I owe every special guest that comes on this show, I thank them because you have given me a chance to grow as a person. I have taken away so much from this episode alone. And I know that whoever is listening or whoever watches this in the future is going to take so much from it as well. So thank you so much. Um, no problem. <laughs> Once again, this is absolutely not. I am Katrina Stroll. My special guest today was Kat McIntosh. She's available at any time. Reach out to her. Okay, that's a lie. She's not available at any time. Boundaries. <laughs> but please reach out to her if you have any questions about mental health yeah. conditions and setting boundaries. Um, feel free to visit my website, www.absolutelynotwithkatrina.com to review, subscribe, or donate to the show. And we will see you next week. Thank you. Bye.